Miyaki, but approached the screen on the seven-day backup, roaring clear, and wins his first race over a mile and a half. It's Racecourse Road, GPT, Command and Conquer lifting late. Racecourse Road, here's Command and Conquer, he gets up. Back naughty by nature, Tollman strikes the lead though from Sophie Song, it's the great Tollman. Tollman, for whom the bell tolls. Bivouac, who explodes. Bivouac with a powerful display. Oh, what a spectacular win. Dominant, four legs, nature's trip. G'day, buddies, welcome. So a cup week debrief of a deep dive. It's been a big week. Uh, it's been pretty pretty outstanding. There's been a bit for everyone. There's been heaps going on. We'll talk about a lot of stuff both on and off the track. But first, let's introduce Jack Dickens, who's somewhere in the middle of the Victorian outback. Got his swag, no doubt. Uh, he's joining yeah, us. Sun's out. It's Link. a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful day here in uh, Victoria. Um, for a bloke who made a lot of mistakes, Dan Andrews has given us, what is it now, Josh? Like eight in a row or something? Zero? Ten, I think we're Nine. up to like we're back. Ten. ten. And the uh, international raiders are asking for what the, the secret herbs and spices are. Secret herbs and spices. Why don't, Pete, why don't you explain to the punters at home your secret herbs and spices that you delivered to yourself on Saturday in, in quarantine? With, was it was Carlene there with you or just in the same hotel? No, just in the same hotel. We've got Pike uh, next door as well. Um, there's been a lot of noise, actually. A lot of kids running around. It's not ideal. But, you know, it's good to have the whole West is Best team uh, back on board. I think Rick Taylor's probably, you know, down the corridor as well. We're all just all back, raring to go. Perth Carnival, here we here we are. Um, secret sorry, herbs sorry. and spices. Yeah, no. So I've done the, the double, the KFC, for three meals in a row on Friday night, Saturday midday, and then Saturday night while cracking a bottle of Italian Prosecco um, and just launching at things at Ascot. is I can highly recommend it for those punters who couldn't really give a shit about Sydney racing because it was awful and the tab was broken and they cut all, like, half the runners of scratch because they thought it was heavier than what it was. And then you're looking at Flemington going, oh, I haven't done any form. I'm just going to follow blindly what, you know, Dico fires off. And then Curls is just winning it no matter what happens anyway. It was a bloody good way to spend a Saturday when I couldn't get out. It's probably my last Saturday in the bunker for a few months. Can't wait. You're, you are one of the rarest units I've ever encountered. Um, Prosecco into heated up kernel is just <laughs> so interesting. But it yeah. worked because you bet outstanding on Saturday. Well done. Yeah. Uh, well, we're also welcome uh, Freddie Mercury now with a Mercedes Toowoomba sponsorship. Morning, afternoon, <laughs> what time of day it is. What an eclectic, what an eclectic mix of form analysts we have here. Dicko's just finished cup, cup week and looks like he's just he look he actually looks like he's just about to embark on trying to find the cult that escaped from old regret. <laughs> Snowy's there somewhere. What a get up. Well it's hot here now. And I got the rig out yesterday for like literally 45 minutes and I've, I've cooked myself. <laughs> Had to get the aloe vera out straight away, day one. <sighs> what a anyway, What's with the hat? Have you, have you jagged another sponsorship? Um, yeah. Well, it was good enough for, CW, uh, for CJW to get around spruiking uh, the sponsorship of Mercedes-Benz and, you know, Tommy and all the boys there Mercedes Benz Parramatta. I thought I'd slip down to Mercedes Benz Toowoomba and sort of try and angle the same 
In? They gave me a hat. Ah. <laughs> they gave you a hat and also uh, are you a now a board member of New South Wales Trainers Association? <laughs> oh, gee whiz. Where do we start there? There was a redaction I read on Twitter. I read on Twitter there was a redaction from the chairman uh, to say that that story that was written was taken out of complete context. <laughs> um, <laughs> we will look back. We will look back at this time in racing and look back at the people that were in charge of racing New South Wales tabs, Sky Media, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, of of the people that drove the sport into the ground and divided the sport. Um, crazy some of the shit that comes out of there. Yeah. Um, would, would not be one bit surprised if um, Putin, Kim Jong-un and a few others are looking at how they manage their messaging from New South Wales and replicate that across their dictatorships also. Yeah, what not to do. Yeah. Like, how's the continual, every time they talk, they then reference how strong the Everest is. Yeah, it's a great sprint race. It's a very rich race, so you get the best spinners in Australia. You still had, like, Eduardo in the race, so I'd stay calm. That's a great reference. But every other race you put on, the Bondi, the or, they are a disgrace. The figures they run are, are poo. The form out of them's atrocious. So what, one race is, is outstanding, but the rest of it's shit. I, I think Flemington just needs to, or Victoria just needs to keep rising up, hoping that one day everyone realises that we need to work together and they are the big dog race in Victoria. They just put on another week of outstanding racing with no crowds, but it's just four days of bliss again. The track raced perfectly. I still don't know what the bias was, if there was one. And I'll spend like every day trying to figure it out. I think there's a sad little spray from you know the, the little brother. It was pathetic. And that's coming from a former New South Welshman. Yeah, I'll probably still I'll probably still consider myself a New South Welshman. But it was embarrassing. That, that, do, you, do you not agree? It's just like It's unnecessary. It's, it's it's just, but it was ridiculous as well. Fuck like uh, we'll also welcome uh, this this new gentleman to the show, uh, Josh Cadillac Kavanagh. Freshly shaven, out of cup yeah. week into the summer sling. How are you going? Yep, feeling good, feeling fresh. Uh, just got back from a tan run. Did a PB without the, all the extra extra hair gear change. Beard off first time. Floor around. Oh, if we if we did a tan run like today, how far is it? Three point seven or something. One lap. I'd have you like a dollar forty. Pete, sort of. Actually, I'd probably have, I'd back myself to beat Pete and Curls and I and Pete would just have a really good battle for second. Yeah, I'd run last, for sure. Well, you're the only one doing per, actually doing personal training, but Pete's drinking Prosecco and <laughs> heated up kernels. So, <laughs> so, surely. Yeah, I reckon, uh, I reckon Kathy might have had that back in her day, Prosecco and the bird before a big 400-meter race. What a woman. She knew how to unite a country. She should be yeah. running racing in New South Wales. Well, look, speaking of uh, uniting a country, um, 
four, four states to the mailbag. I'm proud of you guys and Rob Scarry as well. We all won. Everyone, like as individual units, we won. As a collective, we won. We just won. Everyone won. It was great. So uh, I hope everyone who jumped on board for the week enjoyed it. It was, I guess, challenging at times. Um, but it was, yeah, it was bloody outstanding to get a result. Dick, I'll start with you. Did you have a, a personal highlight uh, on or off the track for, for the week? Um, I just reviewed everything. So it's mainly lowlights and frustrations and learnings. I'm really pissed off about the way I handled a theatre member uh, and Arcadia Queen yesterday or on Saturday. There should have been big results for us. Um, I, I'm so sickened by Dennis Pagan and the Derby still and the riders, all every rider involved in that race. Um, it's not a good story. It's a great story for racing in a way, but it's a, like Curls and I have been talking all week about the process. And we were looking and, you know, you're always thinking about sort of ownership opportunities, but now maybe the, the go is just to try and get our training license because how fucking hard is it? Like, how hard can it be? Honestly, that makes me sick. As a Swan supporter too, Dennis, <laughs> I... I was on Young Werther to win a lot of money, like a house deposit, and I backed and I love the Swans. So I don't like Dennis. Um, I know everyone else seems to love Dennis. It, it still hurts. I was also on because Young Werther happened to place on Saturday, um, despite the barrier troll tempo. Um, I was then lucky enough with our friend James to have another bet rolling along, which was uh, the Russian Russian Camelot to place in the Melbourne Cup for another house deposit. And fuck me, if that horse didn't look like it was going to win at like the clock tower. And then I was roaring it to win, even though I wasn't even on really to win. Then I thought surely it's going to place. And I just stopped. Doesn't get the, doesn't get the trip. So, um, I, it's a real different setup not being there. But I think we've made really good progress as a group and we're sharing a lot of our intel with pricing and, and form analysis. We've improved heaps. We're really confident like going forward. But uh, personally frustrated, I missed a lot of opportunities. Like underbet September run on Derby Day. I've just reviewed that. Um, underbet the first winner on Oaks Day. Got scared of November Dreaming. We were so keen on that, that winner, whatever it was called. Um, might have been Simon Wild's horse. Yeah, Charlie Rose. Charlie yeah, Rose. Yeah, like, fucking underbet that. Um, <laughs> but Oaks Day was fat. Um, the big races shit me. But fuck, we backed Van Dyke, RIP, rest in peace. It's tragic to see it die, but I backed in the Caulfield Cup and ran second. Backed Armoury and Russian Camelot in the Cox Plate, second and third. Backed Prince of Aran and the Tiger Moth in the Melbourne Cup, second and third. Torturous. We won. But I feel like I missed out on a lot of opportunities to win a lot more. Josh, how do you sort of think it went? Uh, yeah, it was pretty much the same for me. Different set of horses, but uh, Melbourne Cup, I was strong on the three-year-olds. So I was on the same with Russian Camelot, which was weird. Down the straight, coming down the straight, you were cheering Russian Camelot. I was also on Tiger Moth, and down the straight, you know, Tiger Moth was in the, you know, everyone says it's box seat, but it's probably box more more like box seat at Flemington, but at Caulfield and, and Mooney Valley to likes, uh, that's definitely not the box seat. Uh, but it had time to get out. 
winner was just incredible, like just a different horse this year. Uh, but yeah, like at the clock tower, you're cheering Russian Camelot, thinking oh, that was going to be me. the one. It's like that's that's the run that wins the race every year. And then yeah, Tiger Moth sort of got out, and then was the one that was looking like cheering at home. Uh, like the ride, uh, like the ride and Prince of Aaron, like you just got to throw it out to this horse again, like incredible. Like Charlie yeah, Fellows, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's the same. It's the same run all the time, though. It's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like, like Cascadian's been like a completely different horse, but Cascadian, like the mile has been this prep, like flashes at the line every time, and it's oh, just like on. runs honest, the honest races. Into Yulong, the Yulong thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that too. Yeah, I thought I thought Flemington was the go for that, but it's just one so of those like Prince of Aaron. Just but like it can run on pace and then sort of like finishes off well. But like shit, it's just a it's an impressive horse to like he just run <coughs> in big races. I feel uh, sorry for Jay Carr. She she's riding as good as anyone and was given a really good opportunity and they make split second decisions and she fucked it up. But she's made a lot of great decisions this spring for a long time. I know Pete's the number one ticket holder of her fan club, but she is a great rider. She's riding really well. If she stays and goes up the fence. I think she wins by a fair way and quite comfortably. But unfortunately, she she went, which was definitely like the, the safer play was to get get out and get going. But every other every other jockey, because it is a safer play and the less risky play, is doing the same thing. And it's traffic jam. Yeah, yep. Uh, Curls, uh, personal highlight for yourself. You've spent eighty nine point five units, returned ninety seven point four five. There's a heap of betting for yourself over the last week. Did you have a a highlight of the of the seven days, eight days? Yeah, um, my highlight on review was um, backing three odds on favourites that got fucked over, which was great. Um, 50, 50, 50 to 70% margin on odds on favourites in Queensland is not enough. It should be 100% is what I've learnt because they're fucking useless. Um. Dennis Pagan. Dennis Pagan was a highlight of the spring carnival in Melbourne for me because he proved what I always thought, <laughs> that you don't need any ability to be a horse trainer. You just need luck. Um, I had Tiger Moth for 10,000 collect. That was me. <coughs> oh. That was a highlight. Um... Yeah, and what else did I enjoy over the carnival? Um, the 47 meetings that Queensland had on each day. you <laughs> had one or two. Um, oh, doesn't it thin the – like it thins it out so much when there's so many meetings. But um, I was happy to win. I think Derby Day basically was a really good winning day and then the rest of the days were just sort of thing. So, yeah. What about um, – speaking of highlights, we go on RSN with G Hall, great man. And Pistol's just throwing out fucking winner after winner after winner. And for whatever reason, um, like we're, we're chatting away on Saturday morning and we're spo- I'm supposed to be an Arcadia Queen heavy. At what price? $11. Like with all the other shit we've been finding into it, into it. I there's a small chance that, you know, someone has got that on for me, but I don't think it has. I don't think they have. And and then Pete's throwing out Battlestorm in the whatever, and then what's the other? What are these two other bets you've got going? 
that I don't have any of for some fucking reason. I've got Battlestorm and Stageman to win the winter bottom now for enough. <laughs> we can't, we can't, we can't can't He's not even riding one. If they win and Pete goes missing, <laughs> the wheels will fall off pretty Pike's, quickly. Pike's riding trekking in the winter one. selected to ride trekking over the Bob Peters, Cerise and White. So did did uh, did he ride any good often horses down here? He, oh, he might have ridden a couple. Yeah, I think he did from memory, but um, yeah, a bit of a surprise. Bit of a surprise. Wow. Big. Trouble in Paradise? Surely not. <laughs> Surely not. Um, okay, we, we've got to talk about the tab crash as well because it was just bizarre the last 48 hours. I think that's the only way you can describe it. Uh, their response from a media point of view I think was incredibly interesting. They've sent out four tweets through their official Twitter account and that has really been the only information we've heard from the TAB, which is quite disturbing for the most part. Uh, Curls, I want to get your point of view on this uh, first of all. Yeah, look, interesting um, four tweets, um, which is no good for those that are blocked by the tab. (laughs) (laughs) Just me. Please unblock me. And and while we're at it, Gator, could you unblock me as well, please, mate? (laughs) (laughs) Long, long may we block Curly. Someone, someone had a crack at the tab, and and I, um, I just chimed in with that Leonardo DiCaprio clap meme because it was quite funny. They blocked me for it. Um, I don't care. Like, like, there's not like you have. In my opinion, there doesn't look to be one wagering person involved in the tab anymore. They're all spruikers. They're all media, media people. Um, they're a lottery company. They're wagering. They're wagering arms. Pathetic. Um, we've seen some. Which, seen some. Which smoke. joint? Which joint has a? Which joint does have a wagering person there? They're the main source of funding for the racing industry. They've got to be better. They've like participants, racing participants, and and racing administrators should be demanding better of the tab. To ensure that a lot of the, the majority of the turnover goes through them, so it goes back through to racing. They've sat idly by and watched it slowly um, fall off the wagon. And you know, I don't know. There's a bit of carry on about what happened yesterday. That can happen to that can happen to any organisation. Um, even even my sets lose sometimes due to data <laughs> and power surges. It happens. Um, the response, like you said. Um, <coughs> Just a joke, really. Um, the carry on, you know, whatever else. But the thing that was the thing that I enjoyed the most was the races getting put back because the tab was down. Um, Proving yet again that the industry is reliant and funded by wagering, and therefore the the wagerers should be treated with more respect and priority. However, exactly. that's a fact, guys. No one's going to dispute that. But don't beat on about it because nothing will ever change. Ever. Know your role. Shut your mouth. That's what they want us to do. That's what it's funny because as a, as, a, as a company, Tab, you know, they increase their margins. One of their initiatives to increase their margins was to cut winning accounts back. So they increase their gross profit margin. Um, or the omni-channel experience, it was, it was called, sorry. 
um, effectively cutting accounts back, effectively restricting turnover, effectively restricting funding to the industry. So, um, and while the racing administrators, you know, sat by and pat them on the back, they're gone as an organisation. Their wagering arm will be broken off and sold off. The 2024 retail licence is going to, you know, is is going to be a pivotal point um, going forward because even though it's a bricks and mortar business, the, the, the retail arm, um, you know, it's a potential play for someone like Sportsbet or someone like that to come in and, and, and try and corner that market again. They already own the digital platform. They can increase the barrier to entry and, um, you know, really knock around their competition if they go after that retail licence in Vic as well, so... I love the um, I love the downhill skiing from some of the other plastics about the tab. I just like there's always no one in this sport has like it is hasn't got a secret or you know a little bit of a issues they have to deal with from time to time. And I just loved how some of them just jumped straight on it and just just whacked them when they were down. Unbelievable. Yeah. Our friends, our friends at Betfair who I bet with all week, like just into them. Yeah, it's, it's like well, two weeks ago, Damien Ratcliffe wrote an article about you guys and and fast feeds, and you you you, you uninvited him from an event like fucking hell, unbelievable, just like unbelievable. It's incredible what's people, happened with the people with doing talk. these tweets. It's like if you in in five years, unless you're gonna go out and gamble on your own or create an income by yourself. You probably end up working for the tab or for one of these joints who you're bagging. Unbelievable. I don't get it. I won't be working there anyway. We it's incredible, incredible that a multi-million, you know, billion-dollar business uh, like doesn't have a backup facility. Uh, I was reading an article this morning about their like who hosts their servers, and basically they like denied any denied any like fire, like any interruption or downtime at their their servers. So it's like. Something's happened here. That's well, you saw. Already, you know what? You know what? Ross it's internal. Ross, yeah. Ross, Russian. They, they just they finished with the U.S. election. The, the Russian hackers, and now they've yeah. moved on to the tab. Russian Camelot. Russian. It hackers. is scary though. Like, like it, it'd be much more scary for us because we don't. Like, most of our wagering's done at Betfair. Yeah, you know, but there's so much money held there. Imagine if something went wrong. I suppose it's like they have like two or three backups, don't they? Betfair would have servers. Uh, they're mainly like their main servers in Ireland. So uh, I think there's two shoot. in Australia. So like if the, if the, the Irish city one, one goes down, it's like at Caulfield or something. The Irish one would have sort of Aidan O'Brien's army around it, sort of thing, just guarding it. <laughs> so <laughs> they wouldn't be getting in there around Belfast area. But, uh, yeah, not to mention any potential privacy concerns, but that's a, a story for another day. But talking of uh, wagering curls and. I mean, really, if there's been any advertisement about how good betting can be when you get money into a pool and you allow people to bet for whatever amount they want and how good it can be for stimulating an event, it was the bloody US election that was clearly the best part of the week. As we stand right now, there's 1.016 billion matched on the fair. And if racing administrators think that it's going to keep on going down its merry way and people are going to love racing, well, I'll tell you what, every time a horse breaks down in the cup, there's a new generation of people that aren't going to be betting on our products and on our event that we love so much. 
And especially if you keep trying to make it harder for us to bet in the first place, just let us bet to the extent that we want to unrestricted as soon as markets go up for fuck's sake. Like Josh, you would have been probably glued to the election markets as much as curls and I was. Mm. I'm just I just, through. Like, it, it was unprecedented. It was amazing. I love, I love how there's still a dollar four there right now. Yeah. 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 That's what I found it interesting that it's still a dollar four. When like the other day before he grabbed uh, Pennsylvania, he was like a dollar oh nine. It was just fascinating, and like this is like I sort of tell people, you know, tell friends and family like this was what was happening during the election, and they probably think, you know, I'm saying this is what the betting is, and they're probably like, no, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no like link behind it. It's just betting market, but this is like this is like how the election was going. And if you graph, yeah, you've got the graph because, out. Because, yeah, because insane that he, insane that he minimum odds were about a dollar twenty one. There was, I reckon, there was almost a million matched somewhere along the dollar twenty one to dollar thirty line. Uh, could have even been more. Uh, but incredible, like that. I just want to know the big, the big players in these pools, who they are. Obviously, I don't know. If, you know, the big players in Australia like Joel Kill and uh, Katsaris are, are playing in it, but. Uh, like there has to be bigger, bigger operations overseas that have some real powerful things that are probably micro, they're probably micro trading it like a, a financial market as well. Because uh, it's such I, a big, big liquidity and they get a few ticks either way. Uh, and you could see like on back on Wednesday and Thursday, you could see how quick the, the market moved. Uh, and it was serious, like serious drops here and there. Moved, and then it even moved yesterday, it moved yesterday from a dollar six to dollar four. I reckon it was just on the back of a tweet with Biden running out. That, like Donald Trump was speaking, and then Biden runs out to the Stone Cold Steve Austin glass smashing. It took over Twitter and he crunched. And like the night the night before, uh, like after the election, uh, it happened twice in a row, like 10 p.m. about Eastern Standard Time in Australia. And like that's when you look at that, that's like 4 a.m. in the US. And like they stop, they, I'm, I'm assuming they stop voting overnight, the counting of votes overnight. And it's like, who is who is this like shark that's just like taking the markets from one way to another? It happened the first night with Trump in mm. the lead, and then it happened the other night with like Biden in the lead. Just like massive swings, fascinating market. I think you can also um, probably not discount that. I think the market base rate for the event was five percent. Um, you know, so most of those guys. You know, it would be something where you know fifty to forty percent discount, I suppose, depending on where you live. Um, so the so the cost of doing business on that event's cheap. There's no race field fees for Betfair to pay. Yeah. Um, so that's a big thing. Like if you're only paying two and a half percent, as opposed to trying to trade, say New South Wales Racing or NRL, oh. at, yeah, you know, which is a ten percent market. Um, you know, it becomes more attractive, and like I'm sure that it's I'm sure the dollar four. Well, this is my theory. I'm sure the dollar four was there because it's a good exit position for people that are heavily invested and want to minimise the risk of, you know, Trump's you know fully packed Supreme Court um, ordering recounts and having that little bit of hesitation there. So it's a good trade out position if you've traded that event the whole way through and and you're exiting out at a dollar four. We get to see how good Giuliani really is. Mm. Well, it's yeah. not, hasn't, it wasn't off to a great start with Sasha. Sasha's spring. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, like, a press conference in front of the dildo shop. Outstanding. Yeah. 
<laughs> like you said in the uh, in the intro of this uh, of this segment, though, Pistol, it's uh, it's it's a it should be seen as a reminder that people will wager on cost effective products and good events. We yeah. have Unfortunately, they've probably got about what fifteen to twenty years to sort their shit out, or the whole game's gone. I, I hope I hope that out of this though, Betfair uh, realise how bad it is to be just to trade things that people think they understand when there's great liquidity, and and look to pump up liquidity however they can. I don't know the answer, but like on things like AFL and like more of the sports that, that are common in this country, because if if there was more liquidity, I'd be watching more footy. Yeah, but that comes down to being able to get on early. If you've got an early market, you can bet to win ten grand. All of a sudden, you, you're trading that off earlier on the fair, and everyone's loving it. It's, it's all about stimulation. It's all about so just. So you think it start, starts with like with the law and with the plastic? Yep, hundred percent. It comes down to enforcing proper legislation onto these plastic, complete, like non-existent, pretend betting organisations. That will only allow you to bet early if you're capable of losing cash with them long term or even short term. Like, if you allow yeah. people for unrestricted amounts as soon as markets go up, two things will happen: either they'll go up early and back themselves in, and then people will start trading off on the fair earlier, or markets will go up later. In which case, there's going to be a massive feeding frenzy in the space of you know that the day of racing. Either way, it's good. But at least yeah. we have I don't want that model. Like I mean, the early markets, the early markets like do annoy me um, because hate them. there's uh, the, the opportunities are only there for people that lose long term, and that's you know that's a great strategy for the current environment for the plastics. Um, <coughs> it was, it was free for all once the markets went up at nine o'clock race day, you'd see a lot more liquidity, not just at the plastics and then the fair and the fair as well. It'd be be huge. Yeah. You'd like, yeah, taking, think... you'd like taking three dollars command and conquer on Saturday for as much as you want, then laying it back at one eighty eight. Dang, God, that was good. That was really enjoyable. Um, as an example, as an example, I mean. it's example. like it's like what Curly's saying though. Like they they make it impossible for the successful punter to bet on their sport, and they allow it through their um, the administration of the sport, and then they, they so they want to attract the victims, but on their biggest days it's just a shit fight so like the tab will go down or a horse will die or a jockey will break a rule that to a to a new person like oh he broke the rule oh no but it's just he's going to fine him fifty thousand. so like, the, the the new nuffy that they're trying to attract will just switch straight off that and watch or, like the origin yeah i bet on that or i bet on this like well unfortunately what it comes down to is that racing is a wagering sport but nobody wants to talk about gambling because there's perceived issues with gambling in society. And, you know, I mean, like, I'm sure we've all copped it at some point. You try and tell someone, what do you do for a living? Oh, I bet for a living. It's just like, so you, you're promoting gambling. You're like a scourge on the face of the earth, that sort of thing. The problem is that there's no education, whether it be in terms of general probability for kids at school for a starting point, mm. in terms of bank management, financial and fiscal responsibility, there's none of that promoted in daily society anymore. Or it's just a whole bunch of people who just like jump up and down when you're on fire today, Peter. It's just you just get fucking sick of it after a while. And, but it's part of, me the, part most, of the, problem. the most is like Chris Reeves writes the article. If he's going to hit anything, hit Victoria up about their whip rule obsession. Yeah, that yeah. is the biggest piece of noise that ever was. Jockeys wear 
metal spikes on the back of their heels that they dig into a horse's ribs. Which would hurt you more? Yeah, exactly. And like I've talked to a, I've talked to a, I've talked to a friend in the UK who's a big racing person over there, and he said, I said to him when I started to go on Dicko with the yard, you know, well, what do you what do you make when you see a, a jockey wear spurs over in the UK? And he goes, mate, like that's so like in like that if that happened over here, there'd be a riot. Like they just don't wear spurs. So exactly case in point that there's other bigger deals that should be looked into as you know the, the whip. Everyone, a safety everyone thing. Everyone writing and talking about and, and trying to change the rules is more aware of, of their purpose in racing than, than you and I are. Like they yeah. just treat us all like fucking idiots. Yeah. Spend yeah, it's more so like spend a day at the races and see what the actual process is with these journalists. Like um I'm sure I'm sure if you could, I feel like <coughs> Damien Damien Ratcliffe is a good, you know, young up and coming journalist. Uh and it, you know, if he could spend a day probably he'd be he'd get amongst it. And that's what I encourage like journalists, you know, get if you can go to the stable, see how these things operate. Don't just write shit that is just spun around. Oh, I, think, I think the responsibility more falls on the administrators. Like just someone just to say, look, the whip's a tool to steer the horse. Here I want you to watch five head ons at Flemington on Saturday and you can see when the whip's used in the right hand the horse can veer to the right. Therefore it needs to be able to be changed and put in the left hand to keep the horses straight. So we don't have collisions, we don't have horse fatalities, and more so jockey fatalities. Like it's common sense. It's a steering mechanism, therefore a safety mechanism. Yeah. And and the thing with obvious. the whip is, it's like being proven. There's videos online of it being proven that you can like these things. They don't like you can whip a human with it, and it like yeah. There's a bloke on this that, show right now today who I'm convinced wouldn't mind being whacked by one by a certain. Everyone has looked at you, Pete. What? I wasn't listening, so tuned yeah. out. It's a bit of a stretch to call anything come that comes out of Sydney journalism. It's um it's paid content and it's as simple as yeah. that. Yeah. Well that, that article was embarrassing, let's face it. I mean it was quoting a, a letter with no source attached, um, that was blending the lines of you know, opinion, puff piece, classic sort of yeah, I mean, we've seen the amount of gutter journalism over the last week of the election. It's been, like, case in point. They would be impressed with that, some of that spin that was being attempted in that article. Probably, I, I probably should preface a few of my comments there. Like, I get a bit carried away. I'm just getting old and cynical and, like, I'm fucking tired of, I'm tired of the narrative that's, that's being pushed from Sydney into the rest of the country because basically my underlying decision is I'm wagering first. I don't care for, for racing like as much as I used to. Nowhere near it. Completely over it. I'm a, I'm a wagering enthusiast, not a racing enthusiast. Um, so what I would like to see, and it flows down, is that the people that do bet, you know, can bet, you know, doesn't the cost of doing business to, to come down to increase turnover, which therefore flows on to participants to race for more money, consistent money, and you know, and make sure yeah. it maintains a vibrant racing industry. I still need, even though, that's... even though I'm mainly a wagering person, we still, I still need the racing industry to be vibrant. Uh, and the more divisive that the messaging coming out of New South Wales is, is the more, is the, you know, they're just trying to throw shade over other jurisdictions, which affects the whole industry. You know, for all those issues we've discussed today about whip and horses dying and all that shit. Um, yeah. It'd be great to see them all come together and, and try and work for for the betterment of the sport. Um, the the points that we're trying to argue and, and hope we are getting across about you know making wagering more of a, a fair 
and juicy playing field, it's going to benefit us, yes, 100%. But it, those benefits belong to every single person in the industry. Yeah. The the death the death the deaths of these international horses like the authorities just have to look in like the head bodies just need to how much money do they have, and this is only for the good of their sport going ahead is that they invest some money they put some proper research into this you know work out what's happening because it's not happening with when's I can't tell you the last time like in the in the cup uh, I can't remember the last local horse to to uh, to pass away in the cup or have to be euthanized. Oh yeah, uh, but, but, but like actually a, local. None of them are local, really. No, there, there's pl- there was plenty in it. There's, there's always a handful in it, and why they're always the far inferior horses that like the local ones. So you think maybe they're not going to be as good. They might not get the trip, you know, whatever. But like, why why are they not? There's some think, there's something here. I'd say speaking of speaking of, I'm not sure whether you noticed the finish of the um of the Oaks like. A few of those trainers that ran those horses should be given a kick in the fucking ass for running horses that could not. There's no way they could have run the trip. They were coming in at sixes and sevens there over, you know, over the course of that race, and I think that's an issue as well. Um, like we, they could have easily been one of those horses just dropped dead because they were gone at the six hundred. You know, yeah, but that, that pulled the out the event. Not not on the not on the like whoever like the, the Australia whoever, whoever does it to. That says this is the trip. The responsibility is on the trainer. Exactly what I said. Yeah, I, I, I cut out. Sorry. But yeah. If, if we change the distance of the classic races, that would yet again be appeasing the breeders. The reason why we don't have competitive horses over those trips anymore is because we don't breed for them. Is that mm. not? I don't really care to be honest. This is another race to bet in for me. Uh, we'll do the form yeah. one. And you know what? But, horses, horses break down. Just the same at the same way that footballers get injured, except they can recover from it. Horse, you know, horses with the makeup that they are, they can't. You know, especially leg injuries. You should be heavily fined for making a horse go around a three-year-old. You know, a filly, three-year-old filly, or in the Derby, there was the same. There's a few that were pulled up. You should be heavily fined if they're pulled up. I reckon because well, that's eyes, that's yeah. If all the eyes on the if all the racing eyes are going to be on Flemington over Cup Week, and we want to you know enforce. These are, uh, you know, the scanning, whatever it was, they were going to do for the cup runners. Which you can't did. just do it for. You can't just do it for the cup. No. Yeah. Mm. They they were all vetted in the lead up to the cup, but not every horse was scanned um, for logistical reasons, I believe. Um, so whether or not they need to go towards using an MRI slash CT before they get on the plane and going through to see if there's any structural abnormalities, because clearly there is a significant anatomical difference between overseas international bred horses and Australian bred horses, um, just purely in terms of long-standing genetics and also how they're brought up and what they're racing on over there and how they're running around in general. Um, Josh, the last Australian horse to break down was Dulcify in the Melbourne Cup, and that was in 1979. Yeah, I just think there's something, maybe correlation isn't causation, but obviously there's a low sample, uh, but there's something in it. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's such like, a shit job to try and figure it out. Yeah. But it can be, there was a research done recently and it was completely flawed. Uh, I can't remember who did it, but I saw it on Twitter and like, it was just a waste of time. You need to get some, like this industry should be using data driven results. This should be, it, it just staggers me that there is no like 
for the welfare of the horse. There's no heart rate tracking things or anything like that with a, such a sophisticated tech, technology industry like world. And the industry should go up. And this this is a different thing. This is the wagering from the weekend. But, you know, it just shows like the tab went down. The whole place went down. Why are we, Why is the whole industry so reliant on tab? Uh, make something that's like a, you know, just robust. Don't, if, if you're going to let them control the whole thing, just... They they probably don't deserve it if they took two days down mm. of the whole of one of the biggest you know racing days on the calendar in the last stakes day. Um, but yeah, like you just need to you need to drive more technology through this industry. The money is going. There's so much money in it that it just has to go into technology for all for all these reasons for the ra- racing welfare and for wagering as well. They're just lucky. It's a positive, mate. Day. He's, he's a purebred. He's a purebred Victorian. Lloyd Williams, because fuck me, isn't he a freak? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to the the racing now. Actually, um, we'll start with the the Derby. We'll basically run through each of the the key race races. We'll just do it briefly because uh, this feels like it happened a year ago almost. The Victoria Derby, Dicko, have you recovered no, yet? No, it doesn't. No, I haven't. No, it doesn't. Um, okay, it was a slowly run race. Fuck me. Yeah. Um, slowly run race. Can we take anything out of it whatsoever outside of the fact no. that the horse was in the right no spot? The, the race was just a, a absolute disgrace. Josh, 2,500 metres, slowly run. Do you have any confidence that any of these horses are legitimate stayers or even middle distance horses? Uh so we saw a warning come out of it last year. It's gone like there's like a about eleven point turnaround on the all benchmark punning form figures. Uh, the year before was extra brute, which went negative fourteen point seven on the all benchmark figure. Yep. This year it went four point seven. Uh, good turn of foot in the last six hundred, uh, but still they should be going much better than that for Group One horses that have gotten a slow pace. Uh, I I wouldn't be following much out of the race. Uh, it was a weird, yeah, weak, weak derby. It looked it on paper, I think, pre-race. You weren't really saying this is going to be a strong derby. Like the Oaks, Oaks was far better. Um, yeah. We had some not, nicer ones. But it's still, it was slim, like the Oaks. Uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't be flying much out of the race. Well, even comparing it with the Wakeful, over 2,000 metres on the same day, uh, the leader in the Wakeful has gone roughly 18 lengths faster than the leader in the derby. Um, so it was just a, it was a barrier trial. They were hacking along at 14 plus second sectionals and it was really just an awful watch unless you were associated with the winner and that's what it's all about. Um, we'll, we'll jump to the cup and cup day. Um, Let's hope Dennis sells that horse for his own, like as much as he shits me. If I was Dennis, I'd sell it. Sell yeah. it. It's probably going to get stacks for it and like it's, it's not going to, no, it's not going to win much more. Yeah, and, and now, like it's literally cast because it'll be like rated so highly because it won a Group One. Yeah, don't 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 Hong Kong only buy Queensland Derby winners. Tweeted that several times. Uh, <laughs> Hong Kong is the lowest racing jurisdiction of late eyes. Johnny Get Angry could be sold over there and win a Group One. So is is uh, Classique Legend going to come last in the sprint next month? The more horses that go to Hong Kong, the better, because it's less I have to do form one over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Cup Day and the Cup itself. Everyone's obviously said how good a, a rider was from Group 1 Jive. They've gone absolutely brutal in it. 16.7 lengths fast to the 600. Um, for the class, it's still nine and a half lengths fast to the 600. It's just uh, an enormous performance. Uh, credit to, to Drew. Um, he he suspected that Twilight Payment would be a strong improver. He put it second pick, and uh, there it was, saluting it 20 plus. Um, Who does that fit me? I, I barely read that. I just missed it, you know. And I backed that other international that was going to be on the speed, or like just as like the saver kind of thing. I should have had it on this. Fucking shit me. Yeah. Uh, Tiger Moth, Josh, what did you make of its run? Um, we spoke about it a little bit earlier, but. I mean, where does it go to from here? Uh, I think they've already announced it's coming back again next year. Um, obviously, it's not going to be nearly well in as well in at the weights again. Uh, yep. That was its chance. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Greg Carmen gave this horse a very light penalty. Uh, he just wanted it to be in there. Uh, I think they gave it half kilo penalty after it won its Leopardstown race lead up. Yeah. Uh, it was very impressive. But yeah, like like I said at the start of the show, Twilight Payment ran last year, ran pretty poor. I watched its replays coming into this race and thought, shit, this thing's won nice, but it didn't have any, you know, it didn't have any strong form lines, I thought. Uh was very interesting. I thought Chosen One was super for a track that was rock hard. Yeah. Um, like that thing wants a wet track, and that's what sort of steered me out of it. I know it can stay the trip, but New Zealand just typical mutter. Uh, Persan, unbelievable. Mar and Eustace, just like they're they're airborne. Like what they've done with this horse, and I how saw, uh, up for it as well. I saw this horse was glinned sometime last year, <laughs> uh, and now it's run, you know, fifth. Like tenth, tenth, eleventh up into its into its maiden. Like it's just won its maiden at the start of the prep. Uh, yeah, it was it was super. Like Mick D gave it a pretty good ride from the where it was drawn. So um, very elegant. Was super again. Like she was just really good from the back. I don't know. You can't. I don't know if she was she was like run of the race sort of a thing um, for me. Uh, there with Persan and Prince of Iran. What are we uh, doing? Weird. Weird, weird betting on surprise. Yeah, surprise yeah. baby. Uh, massive, massive go. Like this was one of those. It, it was like the, favorite. It, it did. I think it did. It's. I think it was six dollars bet for SP. Yeah, five ninety six. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like this is. This was like uh, the same as Dragonette in like the Cox bait, and you yeah. were like, oh shit. And I was watching it in the run, then I saw it sort of have Camelot, Camelot's back coming into the straight, and I thought, oh boy, here it comes. Yeah, and, and if I known the pack there like us who were just watching the exchange like till the death, you were just waiting for him to pick one of these internationals and just crunch it again. Yeah. And they started to like yeah. nibble surprise baby. They did it in such a smart way, the guys who were backing it. They just did it yeah. in little little incremental little little snips. And then they went, Yeah, fuck it, this thing's the one and bang. But why were they taking that price? Like it just <laughs> I don't know. Well, look, it was the first race that the massive units got it wrong of the big three spring races. Yeah, and I, I guess Tiger Moth was also really firm late. I mean, it was $6.57. Yeah. I think it was, what, $9 a couple of days prior. So, Also, yeah. props, props to uh, young Joseph for beating his, his old man twice now. 
Yeah. Aiden's still looking for his, his first cup, and uh, his son's beaten him twice now on what would you say probably a inferior horses compared to what Aiden's had in the cup. Well, hopefully so, it's like Frankie and he never wins one, and it'll just be great. <laughs> we can just sit back and just laugh at him for the entire of his life. It'll be a thing like lay, lay Aiden, lay <laughs> Aiden back Joseph in the cup. Yeah. Um, the other race we have to talk about on Cup Day was, well, it wasn't really a race. It was more just the ride on uh, joviality from J-Mac and then the subsequent lack of investigation from the stewards. Well, what did they actually do, the stewards? Because they should have investigated it thoroughly because he, he's got a history and the horse drifted and the ride was awful. I don't think he did anything deliberately untoward, but just with that set up on that day, it needs to be investigated. I think those I think those horses drift any they're the ones <coughs> that people are, are taking on anyway in the market. Weird at Flemington. Uh you usually see that sort of thing at Caulfield. Uh but yeah, I, I agree as well that the ride was questionable. When coming around the bend that he decided to stick to the inside rather than he knows that there's twenty lanes down Flemington Straight and you're gonna get a run. Just weird that he didn't go to the outside, I thought. Yeah. Um in terms That's another bum on the seat. That comes out of those inflated Sydney opinion, the inflated opinions of Sydney jocks when they come down and, and ride against, you know, competitive riders. Takes some time to adapt. We've seen the great man from the West took took him a little bit of time to adapt. Yeah. Big prize money, competitive riding. They're not all mates sitting in the jockey's room, you know, making sure we all get home safe. Well, there's a run there for you, brother. Let me just ease out here. And, all that shit that goes with it. Yeah. No, it was it was disappointing at best, I think, from across the board that um that ride and the way it was handled afterwards. Yeah, what was more disappointing for me personally and everyone getting my stuff was the pretty large bet we had at Mystic Journey at like four forty, which started two seventy on the fair. And <laughs> he lost momentum in the middle stages just by falling asleep and then couldn't sort of get out and get it get going. That was that was I thought the worst ride on the day because I wasn't on joviality. Yeah, that was on that was on Derby Day, but that's all right. We'll, we'll do, allow. Do you so, need? Do we need questions every time? Like, do we just like? Is there times where it's just he's half missed the start? He's gone back and ridden for luck and didn't get any. If he gets all the luck, is he a genius? Yeah, well, like the, it's the same race. Or is that its racing pattern and it should be going? You do expect mm. him to. to Build momentum and get to the outside and give it every chance. Yeah, Rather... I, I agree yeah. with you, Curly, because the same race, Ollie was on one as well that was in the market that was drawn barrier one, same sort of ride, never out, probably should have won. But because it was drawn barrier one, no one cared. Mm, I understand that. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think I don't think his ride was I think he made a they make split second decisions and he fucked it up because he's not as good as everyone thinks. Like they're all they're all pretty good, you know, but they're all going to make mistakes. Yeah. If, I was, if I was a jockey, like a big jockey, and I was going to pull a horse up, I wouldn't do it at Flemington on Derby Day. Fuck no. I'm not suggesting any of them were pulled up at nah. all. So it was a bad it's just, it's just racing padding. And yeah, he, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of horses on the outside. So maybe he did think that maybe from his point of view in that race, he thought the inside was going to be clearer. They thought Maybe he thought everything was going to the outside. Yeah, maybe, maybe he didn't think his horse was that good. Like, he needed to cut the corner. Like, Hugh, Same. Did, on, Same uh, Hugh, Hugh yeah. did it on the uh, on Saturday with Pondus race and 
true self, maybe. Self, yeah. They well, he, he rode for complete luck and almost got brought down doing it. But he did. He needed. He thought I need to cut the corner to beat this horse. And then it was sort of like and won. It was sort of like Dragonette in the in the Cox fight as well. And I saw some discussion yeah. on Twitter. Is would you rather have that higher variance ride? Sorry about the word variance, but that is literally the proper definition of it. Uh, but like you're literally riding for luck uh, when you'd rather just like you know you want to sit one one and just peel out and you know. But the chance of getting 1-1, what is that chance of getting the 1-1? Yeah. Or would you rather just be a smart ride and cut the corner and be absolutely brilliant or an absolute idiot when you get it run by the public? I'm going uh, the half tactics. If I was a rider, I'd ride like boss. All right. Yeah. Like it. Uh, we'll jump to Oaks Day. We'll have a look at the Oaks. Uh, is it as simple as saying that the favourite was exposed on a fast tempo 2,500 as opposed to being able to produce at 2,000 metres on a fast tempo? I thought that um, the ride was very, very good. If the horse was just as good as the market thought it was, I thought it was, it would have just won. I think they went a bit quick and, you know, it was exposed and... Salto Angel would have beat it, but Ollie's fucking peach on like one of the stronger rides of the carnival. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Just, just like timed it and then just like got over its neck. Very She's gone. Ride. That, I haven't actually looked at the data from that race yet, but it looked to me like they went pretty strong. And since, it looked- 2000, since 2014 on the data on the finish all benchmarks, uh, the, the final all benchmark. Uh, that's gone negative five better than any other Oaks in recent years. The Squatty yeah. Spirit being the other. They went a mad pace in that race. She was 120 to one on the SB to 120 to one. So take it with probably a grain of salt. Last year, Miami Down went negative 8.4 with the genuine tempo set. Uh, yeah, but I think in the, it's I gone think super. the Derby, if they had done the same tempo, hit the shot would have been like personal and run over top of Young Werther. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, which makes me feel better about doing my cash because I let it all ride. I was in a coma after backing Salto Angel. Oh, it wasn't a Salto. It just looked like it was wanting the trip. It was going to stay that that trip. Yeah, but you know, Ben Mellon put gave it the best. You know, great great ride as well. So, so hindsight being a wonderful thing, and you look at Montefilia and you know it won those Group Ones in Sydney. You know, does it? What did it have left in the tank coming here? The lesson week? out of it, Curly, is is that these like the horses that are backing up go better. Miami Bound did it last year. A, lot, a bunch of them were recently raced last year. It seems to be the profile at the moment. The, the big break was a negative that I underestimated. I think it's a with some of these younger horses well into their second prep. I think it's a it's a factor of how many runs they've had in that prep. I think. Montefiore might have had one or two more runs, yeah. whereas Personal was sort of like rock hard fit. Probably thought like the Wakeful was going to be maybe a her peach run, but clearly backed it up. And I think that that form around the Wakeful, I'll just say, is that Victoria Key horse looks pretty damn impressive. Uh, <coughs> yep. I think Nagavoys, isn't it? So yeah, because when you go back in hindsight, yeah, sure. it was a it was a beautiful little ride and run in the in the Wakeful for Personal. Like I was on Personal there and. I thought we were home about 300 because he was just nursing it. 
and mm. it wasn't a complete gut bust. It was just like a nice run, then let down as hard as you can. Freshen do up. We, do we know why Starrell didn't go to the Oats? No. no. I don't, actually. I was on, too, at $51. Very interesting. Because it right. had that sort of Salto Angel mm. online mm. with, a, with a better SP, so, yeah. Yeah, thought that was going to be its grand final. And yeah, Brian did have a winner all carnival, I think. After last year, he had a complete fill-up, didn't he? Yeah. The other point from Oaks Day was, uh, well, Willie Pike got out in the last with Written Beauty, but I just not so much wanted to reflect on that horse as opposed to how we thought Pike went overall. Given his time in Victoria, he's won two listed races, two group threes, two group twos, and two group ones. Success? Yes, he was off the canvas because everyone on this Zoom call right now, probably except for Pistol, because he's loyal as fuck. We all life. potted him. We all potted him. We said he's gone. He's not up to it. His clock set at Western Australian time. He copped it all. He well, did. I think that... Um... He got off the canvas the way he did and, and win those races that he did. I reckon, like, huge performance. He could have easily tossed it in. He was down and out. He was getting sprayed from every angle of the media, and he's come back and. I think he um he he sat on a lot of good horses. He was entitled to win what he won. He's a good rider, a competent rider, um, but he's he's not like an elite rider over here. He's at least a B or a C grader. He was exposed badly at Moonee Valley, suited at Flemington, and rode great Caulfield Guineas Day. Like rode really well, but like. Even the horses he won on, like, dirty work and that. Like, he got back to last on that horse. And sort of seven times out of ten at Caulfield, he's not winning. Doesn't matter if it's on winks. But that day at Caulfield was fair, and he got and he, he he read the races perfectly at Caulfield that day. He's a very good rider, but he, I don't think he's A-grade. Yeah. And almost certainly he'll return to Perth just in time to, like, nail me in probably a couple of different multis or features or something like that I've got going for a stack. So... I'm on team death ride trekking. Uh, we'll go to McKinnon. Speaking of Pike, he uh, obviously elected to go home so he could quarantine, so he can ride the rail stakes, which meant that he gave up the ride on Arcadia Queen. And this is, this is not this is not one of the worst decisions, like ever made. No, no, no. I, I fucking living certainty to win a big group one at Flemington on Cup Week. He just had to hold on. That's all that Curry had to do, just sit on it. Yeah, she was a certainty, but at the same time, it was a case of, I think, Pike every year views the, the Ascot Carnival, the three group ones in three weeks, and he probably won't rest easy until he's won all three in one year, because that's just the way he is. So I think for him, it meant more to take a chance <coughs> the unknown horse in the railway, whoever it might be, than it did to just get the job done on Arcadia Queen once more. And she would have really just been wondering where all the tempo was in this race. They've gone very slow for the class. A fair to remember would have won this race by four lengths or something, wouldn't it? Uh, 1.7. It was a 1.7 length better performance, a fair to remember, versus Arcadia Queen. But, um, yeah, if there was one certainty of the entire carnival and a good three, it was, I think it was her. I do like that Pike's gone back. It's like, it shows he's probably a pretty good bloke. You know, he's that sort of bloke, if he played for Australia and, like, New South Wales, he'd still, once that's finished, go back and play club cricket. Yeah. Just help him get the premiership, whereas, like, a lot of them would just be off. 
Well, especially if they're from Perth, they'd be all from Bali, wouldn't they, Pete? I think it's pretty harsh. You, I think you're harsh on him, Jack, here, because you only rate Ollie in Victoria. You don't rate anyone else. And you're saying no, that- I, rate, I rate Zara, Ollie, and Williams, and maybe Mellum as the top sort of three or four in no, no particular order. And then I'd have Pike as the next sort of level down. <laughs> Where's Just <laughs> Just touching on the McKinnon, I think that was probably the weakest weakest one for a long time. Uh, mm. On the data, it went negative 5.8 on the all. And then the the last sort of couple, uh, Magic Wands was negative 15. Trap for Fools was negative 10 even. Negative 13 for the Goat, Dose and, tar- and Stardom. Uh, and it just, yeah, just like completely, it looked like that sort of on paper. Yeah. It sort of didn't really tick to me in my head that Arcadia Queen was a living certainty. And so I bet around it. Uh, 50 stars, I thought was the peach. The peach setup got stuck three wide and it was massive, but you know, slow We're pace. All play going really back. It's just four units arcade queen, one unit 50 stars. It's the only fucking. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like if you reprice it, yeah. It's just uh, like it just had the right form line. It's just such a weak, weak race. You know, Melody Bell didn't have the soft ground that it probably really wants, does it? Um, well, arcade queen, like, just has that uh, like elite turn of foot. Like, when she beat Russian Camelot, it was a walk. Yeah, it was a walk. Yeah. She she'd won this race at the top of the straight. She gets to like that that like negative four section, just with underwriting. Whereas the other horses need to be encouraged to get to that. She's a freak, mm. and she was very 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 good in the Cox Plate. Yeah, um, big shout out to Grant Williams who's been over in Victoria for the entire time. He's probably finally just starting to get back into Perth now, so. But um, to, to shift all the horses over, to win two Group 1s um, and win a whole heap of other races with horses going amiss and without any of his family there, I think that's a, an enormous effort for uh, for the camp and just shows how good Grant and Alana Williams are as trainers in WA. Yeah, agreed. And if they drew a few like a few barriers in some of the other races and were able oh. to settle a pair or two closer, they'd probably pinch like two or three more. Exactly. Don't mention Superstorm. Um all right, we'll just also touch on Bivouac. It just completely crushed that field. Sounds like it's going over to England, potentially, for a run at Ascot. Uh, noise, but... How does Bossy how does Bossy get fined for standing up in the Cox Plate and he doesn't get fined? He, he was patting his horse with 50 metres to go. He was patting yeah. So the technicality was he had both hands on the reins, on the reins. so that was okay. At the 500, he was dead set looking around. I yeah. did say I was concerned about. I, th- I I was almost pressing the light, just thinking about shit. Is he going to fall off here? <laughs> if a salt man was up the top, there it would have been Banco. Or like... Bang- oh. Yeah, anyway, that was that was cut weight. Um, Dickens, we just lost your visual, so I don't know if that means your internet's great. Oh no, no, it's good. All right, girls, quickly run us through. Uh, it, I don't know. You've already mentioned some of the lowlights in Queensland. Was an actual highlight up there? Um, there's a couple of nice horses Saturday at Doombin. Um, let me just bring this up because I was looking at the data. I was just looking at um, Hayes Dabinig's stats over the, the week. Jeez, they went, had a good week, didn't they? Went huge. Like, even honestly, they're, like they're, they're sort of under, you know, first time out on their own. Pretty good effort. And if, if Acadia Queen wasn't here, we would have won another group one. Yeah. Um, or or on 50 stars, because can't draw a gate in the big races, can it? Mm. 
Sure. A couple of interesting ones out of Saturday. Command and Conquer, obviously, pocket talk here. Um, that was super. Jeez, it didn't explode late once it got warmed up. I'm not sure whether you watched the race, but it's, it's last section. It was very good. He was sort of half on one rein most of the straight, and then when James Orland was able to balance him up, he um, he really flew. He'll he'll be a serious contender in the summer. I'm sure of that. Um, Grand Zoo was a it melted the clock um, up to the mile. Uh, it's led and pissed in and ran time as well. It's gone very good. Uh, a couple of earlier races, Isotope. I'm not sure whether you tuned in there, but it, it sort of missed the start a long way and and you know rattled late. Uh, it's in for a decent summer as well. So we just saw some nice, some some good horses resuming here that will be you know factors over the summer carnival as Queensland hopefully opens their borders for Magic Millions Week. How about this horse? Uh, Thine is the power. How many oh, times did we back that? Did you go? Yeah, well, I was on the phone with the curls. Well, just as you're sending that out, and I, yeah, Josh and I are a victim of this horse curls like many it's a time. Nice horse. When I was a Victorian, so I thought, fuck it, today's our day. I think it got a better on, ride. More on than I should have. Yeah, got a better ride. The race run to suit the the ride on um really disc- discreet sort of did help. He had to go make a mid race move on really discreet, which left him a sitting shot late, and which, no, which was suitable for thine is the power. Yeah. Uninterrupted yeah. from 600 and, and it's too strong holding off the Cosmo. So you know, both of those, all those, those three horses have all looked to have come back pretty well. Um, and I'm sure they'll really discreet will be winning a race this prep for sure. Guys, quickly some viewer questions before we go. I've got to go. Um, each way punning. Do you bet each way? If so, why? Why not? Sometimes I get frustrated when I have something at big odds run second and get no return. But then other times I'll launch each way at something paying 12s and 3 and won't get the place and it's a strip. Pros and cons to doing both. Which do you guys do? I'll go first and then I'm going to get going, guys. I I don't bet the place. Uh, I think for your mental health, you just need to pick one way or the other and stick to it and never never even think about it again. Because like the last three weeks, the movers bets, I'd be pretty rich if I backed a match way probably. Because I'm backing horses at sort of 8 to 10 bucks and they keep running second. <laughs> but... um. I think you just got to pick which way you want to go. And I don't think there's a lot of value in the place market. So that's another reason why I don't. Just keep it simple. Just don't don't give yourself any other reason to question yourself or doubt yourself. So if you know that you only bet wins, well, that keeps things very simple from a betting point of view. I know some people only bet places for similar reasons. Yeah, it's, it's only a matter of being consistent. I know plenty of people that... Um, I know plenty of people that bet each way because they think that if there's that if I think it's overs the win, well it's overs the place as well. Um, I know people that bet bet win only. Where you will grow yourself up is if where you pick and choose mm. because invariably you'll get it wrong. So choose yeah. one way or the other. Yeah, uh, only recommendation is probably just work on your stake. If you're going to be a place punter and a win punter, uh, work on your staking. Don't be just each way because it's the stupidest thing ever. Uh, and if you're if you're gonna follow uh, if you're gonna follow it, uh, put it in a spreadsheet or something. Uh, you, I, know, I know we talked about it before, but the education around punning is big. Putting things in tracking in a spreadsheet is always good. Put it against you know a column, just simple place. I had ten bucks on that, five bucks on the win, whatever it is. Uh, but just keep a track of it. And if it's no good, even do it with fake money for now. I know it's I wouldn't recommend trying something with fake money, but 
Uh, no, just put it in a spreadsheet. Put it in a spreadsheet and see if it works. You know, sometimes sometimes Dico calls me and says, "Hey, next start movers, how do they go, etc." How does how does the place punting go on on movers? Um, and there's there's you know there could be a bit of manual entry work, but there's a lot of resources out there that you can find place odds. Yeah. You can find what you would have taken. You find how much you've had on, and see if that works for you. It, you know, it's just another strategy that you could try. But once you pick it, I'd stick to it for a fair while because yeah. you'll just grow yourself up. And keep it keep it tight. So you know, if you're only place backing for things over six dollars, only do that or whatever works. Break it down, see what works for. All right, I've got to go. Yeah, all right. Signing off probably for the year. We might see you once more. We don't know. Unlikely. See. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll see you on track soon, Josh. Yeah, I'll. Friday uh, night. I'll uh, come down your way soon. We're gonna hear jump, 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 jump. Yeah, Ross got to lose his shit. Oh, can't wait, Young Street, Ross. Sausage, sausage rolls, spring rolls, the lot, the shallot. He won't be happy too because when we when we physically get back to the valley like this Friday night, I don't reckon all the food trucks will be there. Yeah, true. There won't be like we, the. I reckon it, I reckon it'll be in the next. Uh, we got two weeks until the next things open. I reckon we'll be in that. The for, steel ring has been lifted, Josh. The steel ring has been lifted. Yeah, but not the fucking gates to the the golden gates of Mooney Valley. It's going to be a great. You know what? Flemington. Every fucking person has ever like written or spoken about racing for an organisation was on track except us. You know what? Uh, I can't wait for the just like driving up the Mooney Valley that entrance and it's just yeah, like seeing the big lab like, on. Their heavens and like the lights beaming down. Terry Bailey's up there on like the top of the stand. Sit in the grandstand. City in the background. <laughs> Glorious. Yeah. Sun's just setting. Yeah, just a night. Bloody we'll good. We'll be back. We'll be back. Indeed. Uh, great 2020, Lay guys. Coffin. Lay the coffin. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, great year all around. Um, Curls, you and I are going to still be keeping the thing going. I think we've got carnivals and stuff coming up, so yeah, we'll, we'll be betting the house down. I'm I'll on still be betting. Sunday. I'll still be betting. We're betting at Bendigo on Wednesday, punters. Just not as many shows for a little bit and freshen up. Anyway, I've got to go. She's looking at me. She's not happy. I love you. Thanks for you. Bye-bye. <laughs> yep.